0: All right, I want to expose one of the devil's number one strategies against you. I want to expose one of the devil's number one strategies against you. It's envy. Envy is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing that's aroused by someone else's possessions, someone else's qualities, or someone else's circumstances. Envy. Envy is a liar. Envy is a robber. Come on. Envy is a thief. Envy will have you wanting what you shouldn't have with someone you shouldn't be with in, in somewhere you shouldn't be. Envy, envy destroys more destinies than poverty. Oh, you don't like me anymore. I'm gonna have to really push through this sermon today. Envy. I want, for years, I wanted somebody else's ears. I mean, look at these ears. When the Lord was, for the podcast listeners, they're like, what? When the Lord was picking ears out of the bins because he has different sizes, he picked out the ears for a five-foot-one person. I'm six foot. What? And he put them on crooked. I I wanted somebody else's ears. You know, I used to have beautiful, curly hair. I have no hair, but I used to want straight hair. And in the early, in the 2010s, I wanted straight hair that swooped over my eyes. Tonight will be the night that I fall in love with you. I, I wanted straight hair that swooped over, that I could go. And now I have no hair, and I wish I had my beautiful, curly hair, and I you know um it's like i, I it, the thing about envy is you you it's this it's this longing that you have this discontent you have this discontented re, resentful longing for someone else's qualities for someone else's possessions for someone else's circumstances um i used to want other people's wives i, I I, I would I would say, man, they, their wife cooks so good, and I, I would look to my wife, and and my my wife would say, I could cook in the kitchen or I could cook in the bedroom, but I can't cook in both places. And I said, well, you made a good point there. Well, you know, I used to I used to want other people's ministries. I I used to I used to envy. Their situation. I used to want their dad and say, Man, I wish I had a dad. I I used to want their bank account. I used to, there's this discontent, get discontented, resentful longing for people's circumstances, for their qualities. But in order to to have envy, you have to dismiss your own destiny. (laughs) Like you literally say, You dismiss, bye bye, you're dismissed. I I don't want you. I I don't want you what? I don't want you. I I want someone, you have to dismiss your own destiny to embrace envy. You have to dismiss your own destiny to want envy, to to obtain and to let that thing live in you. And I wanna look at Leah and Rachel. I wanna give you a new revelation on an old story. Genesis chapter 29, let me give you the context. You've um, You've got these two women in a feud and there's a man named Jacob I preached to you weeks ago about the open heaven. I'm giving you the prequel now. You have Jacob sees this woman, Rachel. Now, Rachel was hot stuff. The Bible says so. She was physically attractive. It says that Leah's eyes were weak. That was a really nice way of saying she was ugly. <laughs> you know, when, you're, when your boy asks you, like, man, what about that woman from church? Are you gonna ask her out? When She has weak eyes. <laughs> this is what it says. And... She didn't, she had weak eyes. She, there was a physical, her physical attributes were not there. And so Jacob didn't want her. Jacob wanted Rachel. But here's the problem. Leah was fertile and able to bear children. Or I'm sorry, Leah, but Rachel was infertile. And, and so guess what? Leah wanted Rachel's looks and Rachel wanted Leah's womb. So the problem with envy is you must dismiss your own destiny to embrace that resentful longing that it produces. And what you see in this story is, now listen, single people want to be married. Married people wish that they could have the peace of sleeping in their own bed (laughs) without somebody windmilling and waking them up. You know what I'm saying? People without kids just romanticize the idea of having a little mini me. But then when you have a little mini me, you realize that you have unfortunately give them all the characteristics that you can't stand about your own self. (laughs) So you're stubborn and now you have a stubborn mini me. Come on, all the parents are like, yes, pray for me, pastor. So this is the thing about envy is envy blinds you to the gratitude that's produced by acknowledging the blessing of what you already have. Envy blinds you to the ability to to actually appreciate. Matter of fact, envy will actually blind you to other people's jealousy. Did you know that you might be a victim of jealousy and you hate your own body? You might be the victim of jealousy and you hate your own job. You might be the victim of jealousy and you hate your own circumstance. This is the thing about jealousy and envy is that it makes everybody blind. Some of you are like, I don't know why that person doesn't like me. They're jealous of you. And you're like, but I hate my body. But they don't think that your body is something that should be hated. But I hate my own job. But they think your job's better than their job. I hate where I live, but they think that your house is better than their house. And so in a church environment, you sometimes you could be experiencing the jealousy from somebody else, not even realize it because you're blinded by your own envy and you're blinded by your inability to appreciate your circumstance in life. And I want to kill discontent in you because watch. Okay, I'm going to read you some verses now and I'm going to take you on a journey but I need you to listen to this point right now this might be the most important point I might in my entire sermon I need you to understand this you will not graduate until the life that you were destined for until you graduate from envy because you cannot go from envy and jealousy into your destiny envy and jealousy will always cancel your potential to reach your destiny You must graduate envy and jealousy in this season to be released into your next season. Because I'm telling you, yeah, come on, you slow clap that one in. And like, I think I'm supposed to clap for that. You have to, you have to. V1 Church cannot fulfill its destiny if I'm envious of someone else's church because I will emulate their vision and there is no blessing on a copycat. Okay, my marriage cannot be blessed until I stop wanting someone else's wife and appreciating the one that God has given me because there's no blessing on me coveting someone else's wife. The blessing is on covenanting to my own. Are you coveting or covenanting? Covenantial is sacrificial coveting is selfish so y'all aren't ready let me just read the scriptures genesis chapter 29 gives us some insight into this story verse 31 is where we're going to start i would challenge all of you to go through 29 and 30 these two chapters are rich it says when the lord saw that leah was hated he opened her womb but rachel was barren Now, that is complicated, and I don't have the time to give you the deep theology behind it, but just read this sentence. When God saw that Leah was a victim of someone else's envy, God opened her womb. Sometimes the people who envy you open your womb with their jealousy, (laughs) I know this is deep. I love how quiet it is right now because somebody about to get free. They think that they're harming you by being jealous of you, but they're provoking God to bless you to teach them a lesson. <laughs> <Oh-ho>! <laughs> when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb to say how you like her now. <laughs> So sometimes when you're jealous of other people, you don't realize that God will interact with that environment and create conditions that he will use to teach you a lesson to break that jealousy off of you. I'll tell you what, I don't wanna be anybody else anymore. I wanna be Mike Signorelli. I don't wanna be another preacher. I don't want their church. I don't want their life. But it took me so long of a journey to get free from envy. Because wounds are like open mouths that that tell you what to think and believe. Wounds are like open mouths. So look at this. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. There were some wounds in Rachel that God needed to deal with. And Leah conceived and born a son. And she called his name Reuben, for she said, because the Lord, because the Lord, has looked upon my affliction. For now, my husband will love me. But wait, it's complicated. So now she gets this blessing. The Lord opened her womb, but she makes a mistake. Sometimes when God blesses you, despite your enemies, you cannot make the mistake of making an idol out of other people's love and affection. Look what she says. Now my husband will love me because I gave him a son. She starts right there when she begins to make that declaration. She starts making an idol out of love and affection. So you have two, this thing is very complicated because they're both wrong. Rachel and Leah are both wrong in this situation. Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me the son, and, and then she he has another son, Simeon, again she conceived and bore a son, and she says again, now this time, my husband will be attached to me. Now, this is Leah, the one with weak eyes. And she's saying, if I keep having sons, my husband will love me and be attached to me more. So how many of you think, if I can just make more money, people will love and respect me more? If if I can just, oh, come on, somebody. If, if my follower account, if my, my followers on my social media account go up, It'll carry more prestige. People will see me. I'll be loved more. The more likes, the more love. The more comments, the more love. Maybe my wife will finally respect me if I make six figures instead of five. Maybe, maybe, see, this is what Rachel Rachel and and Leah are showing us what it looks like to be caught in envy, this trap. You know, I want to skip down now to Genesis chapter 30, verse one through three. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob, no children, she envied her sister. She envied. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Now watch, this is wisdom. Jacob had already made several children with Leah. So when when Rachel couldn't conceive, she blamed Jacob. Envy will always cause you to blame someone else. Envy will say, no, here's what I used to do. Hey, I'm not successful in ministry because I didn't have a dad who was in ministry who gave me a ministry. Now, all the people who have dads that were in ministry, you know what they tell me now? I wish I had your story because I, I was not able to be successful because my dad was in ministry and told me what to do. And I look at them and I say, well, that makes us Leah and Rachel right now, doesn't it? Are you getting wisdom? The times I've told people, man, it's so hard being married. I, I, I just, man, I wish I had a wife that was like this, this, and this. The person with that, you know, you know, like your wife, Pastor So-and-so, they'd say, yeah, I also have a hard time being married. And I say, that makes us Leah and Rachel right now, doesn't it? See, envy will always cause you to look outward instead of cause you to look inward. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and she said, am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of your womb? Am I in the place of God? So Jacob understood, I conceived with Leah, but the Lord released life. And so sometimes when you're looking, okay, how real can I be? Because I feel like this is gonna be one of the best sermons you've ever heard in your life, but one of the most painful. If you feel like you have not been fruitful in in your business, if you feel like you haven't been fruitful in your marriage, in, in your romantic life, you have to deal with envy and jealousy. Because when you stop looking out and you start looking up. Stop looking out and start looking up. The world tells you look within. Don't look within. I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. The Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. So I'm going to tell you, you're going to find a lying heart when you look within. That That's for saved and unsafe people. Matter of fact, your heart needs to be circumcised because your heart, it's just, it, it's like your fingernails. You don't cut your finger, fingernails once. You have to repeatedly cut your fingernails. One of the, the symptoms of being alive is fingernail growth continues. One of the ways you know that you're alive in Christ is your callous heart must be clipped and clipped and clipped and clipped and clipped. clipped. That's why you see somebody that they weren't prideful and then they become prideful because, and because they have to circumcise their heart. That's a process. So when you deal with this, this Rachel and Leah situation, it, you have to continually go back to this. So don't just look within, look, look up, look to God and go before God and say, God, how am I blocking my blessing? How am I blocking the fruitfulness of my womb that's supposed to carry life that breeds multiplication? What am, what am I engaged in right now? Because it's not about them around me. It's about me. It's not Long Island, guys. It's not Long Island. Long Island is not the problem. Stop looking out, look up. There's a problem. There's something here that needs to be fixed. And if you deal with this, your womb will become fruitful. And I wanna show you what happens. Then she said, here is my servant, Bela. Go to her so that she may give birth on my behalf that even I may have children through her. So Rachel, instead of going to God, no, this is crazy. Her husband tells her this problem. The reason why you're not conceiving is because of envy. And you've got to deal with that between you and God. And you know what Rachel does? She says, well, go sleep with the servant woman, and then you can, I can have children through her and has multiple children. Isn't it just like us to always think the solution to our envy is to bring somebody else into the situation? Well, if I had a better mentor, that's Bela, your servant woman, to try to conceive your destiny on your behalf. They can't do it for you. That, oh, if I, if, if Pastor Mike just met with me one-on-one, that would solve it. No, no, that's Bela, the servant woman. Like you're, you can't, I can't go to God on your behalf. You've got to learn how to go directly to him and deal with the barrenness of your womb from jealousy and envy. And when you begin to deal with that thing, then you'll be released because you see that she went through this over and over. Now watch, on one hand, Leah was fertile while Rachel wasn't, That's, this is the situation. But Rachel was desperate to have children and couldn't understand why God blessed her sister in the area while she remained barren. Have you ever watched somebody else getting blessed and you're like, I don't understand. I know I'm smarter than them. Come on, I know I'm not the only one come on now, do you love Papa Sigs enough to get real? You'd be like, they are so stupid. Why? What? And you watch the blessing of the Lord. They don't even preach that good. They don't sing that good. Wait a second, but I know I'm better at business than them. What's going on? See, this is, I'm trying to help you. Because on the other hand, Jacob loved Rachel with all his heart, Leah was never the sister that he intended to marry. The only reason she became his wife at all was because of this trickery that the father Laban had done, and he switched the brides at last minute. Leah could give birth to Jacob's children, but she craved his love and affection. Leah, by contrast, was not physically attractive, but she was able to bear children. So, Leah had become bitter about this whole situation. And every single time she produced a baby, she would say this phrase. And I want you to hear this phrase. I want my leadership team to hear this. Maybe now. That is the phrase of bitterness. Maybe now. Maybe, maybe now. Every time Leah produced a baby, she would say, maybe now, maybe now. Maybe now, in Genesis 29, chapter 29, verse 32, she says, maybe now my husband will finally love me. Maybe now he will finally come see me. And, and she would name her children according to those phrases. Maybe now, the most dangerous thing that God can do is bless you while you have an envious heart. Because the blessing will actually increase your desire for a maybe now. Maybe now I'll be loved. The worst thing that ever happens to a pastor is people clap when they preach because he'll get on the stage and say, maybe now they love me. Maybe now I have value. The worst thing that can ever happen to a singer is they sell a million albums because they say this platinum record, maybe now my life carries value. The worst thing, some of you are like, God, bless me, bless you. But each time he blessed, he blessed Leah with a baby The bitterness was increased with the blessing. The bitterness was increased with the blessing. And this idol of being loved and accepted had to come down. On the other hand, Rachel, she made a different idol. She made an idol about being able to have children. And these things, they brought these these identity issues and they begin to compare each other. I wanna end this message like this. Envy makes an idol out of being loved and accepted, but thankfulness and praise are the weapons that destroy the stronghold of envy. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of a stronghold. Pastor Mike, what's a stronghold? Well, I'm gonna tell you. A stronghold was a structure that was built in ancient times. How do you build a structure brick by brick? How do you build a mental stronghold? Thought by thought. Every time you think a thought, it's like laying a brick, laying a brick, laying a brick. And the first time you think a lustful thought, you are not a lustful person. You're just responding to a desire. But when you meditate on that day and night, you begin to build a stronghold of lust and perversion because now it's being fortified and reinforced brick by brick, thought by thought. Every See, the first time you say, man, I wish I could birth children. There's nothing wrong with that desire. But when you obsess over it and you attach your identity to a season that you're not in, it could become a stronghold against you. See, when bitterness, sometimes you'll hate people who never did anything to you because of what they represent to you. I've had two kinds of people interact with me. The other day I was, um, it was actually Anthony who leads our administration team. You know, Anthony, I was at the altar here and I was ministering and talking to people and he was there and uh, all of a sudden my daughter came up and I started having interaction with my daughter. And, you know, then I hugged her and kissed her and she walked away. And Anthony looked at me and was like, I can't wait until I have that season. The way that you father your children inspires me so much. Now, here's the thing. The other way to respond to that is bitterness. I've also had people say, I've seen the way you've interacted with your daughters, and it's made me never want to come back to church again because of how wounded I am by a father wound. I've had them say that. I've had people say, You didn't look at me, and I wanted you to acknowledge me in the room, and um, I was offended for months. But, it, but then they, they got freedom and said, I actually realized I had nothing to do with you. It was, it was with me because I, I looked up. I fixed something here that enabled me to change something here. And what happens is this stronghold that's built up of envy and jealousy, brick by brick, thought by thought, what happens is when you sit in that fortified stronghold and you look out, you can't see people for who they are and what they are. You know, Julie and I just got back from an opportunity to be with John Maxwell and literally hang out at John Maxwell's house. But the very first time I interacted with John Maxwell and I sat across from him at a table six months ago, I was thinking this sermon. And I was like, this guy has written more on leadership than any other human that's ever lived. He's sold over seven million books. What value could I bring to this conversation? And then I thought about envy and jealousy. And, and, and how about how misunderstood he probably is and what people think. And I remember I looked at him and, and I, I said, John, can I say something to you? I said, John, when I see you and what you've accomplished with your life and knowing that you used to be a pastor in Ohio, I said, probably you've been so misunderstood and so hurt and so rejected by pastors he was like, what do you want to get out of this relationship with me? And I said, I don't want anything, John. I want to be one of the few pastors who actually understands you. When I said that, his eyes welled up with tears. And he said, when I made the transition from a pastor to an international book-selling leadership teacher, he was like, my own closest friends couldn't understand who I was. They turned their back on me. And we are never in relationship again. I don't even hardly tell that story And I knew that one day there were gonna be pastors who understood me. I spoke right into the wound. And six months later, I'm sitting in his kitchen, hanging out with him doing dinner. Now, I don't say that to blow my own self up. I'm just saying the old Mike would have looked at John Maxwell and said, this guy has everything. Do Do you see the... Envy and jealousy. This guy doesn't understand me. He wasn't raised on welfare. He didn't have a single mom. He wasn't in the trailer park. He didn't get abused by stepfathers. Of course, you see how I I wouldn't have even been able to minister to him in that moment because my own bitterness and jealousy would have blocked my blessing. Because bitterness and envy always makes you the victim when you're the victor that's supposed to release victims from pain. See, jealousy and envy will always keep you in the seat of the victim. And when I was interacting with John, I'm like, no, he's been a victim. How can I bring healing into his life? And so that, that's, you can't, I'm telling you, once you see the flip, God says you are more than a conqueror. But jealousy and envy says that you are less than an achiever. Woo. Do you feel something? I told our team, I said, don't expect today's services to be like everybody's standing on their feet and shout me down, but I promise you we will see the most fruit from this message. Michael Jordan was bald. <laughs> Come on now, somebody. I've been watching that show, The Last Dance on Netflix. Leadership gold. I was in Chicago during the 90s. Nobody wanted to be bald till Michael Jordan won six championships and people who had a full head of hair was shaving it. See, the thing about it is jealousy and envy and bitterness will make something a liability that God's making an asset. And when you begin to own it and say, This is who I am, I'm gonna go from glory to glory. I'm gonna allow the Lord to, to through gratitude. You know, um, and so are these are these things about my ears are my little idiosyncrasies. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? To one person, it's like, yo, what happened to you? Another person, look how cute his ears are. You know, you've got to get to the point where you begin to look at yourself and say, God, let me love who I am. Let me love my height. Let me love my skin color. Let me love my my gender. See, the world says if you don't love something about yourself, change it. See, the world says if you don't love something about yourself, allow Jesus to heal it so you can embrace it. And so many people are trying to change what the Holy Spirit will help you embrace. Did somebody hear what I'm talking? See, I'm, when you break jealousy and envy, and I want to tell you the end of the story. At the end of the story, this is, and we're going to begin to pray at the end of the story, Rachel begins to get free. I want to read this to you. Don't allow the things that these things to become idols and consume you and determine your your identity and happiness. Look at the example of Leah and how she eventually began praising God and choosing to be thankful. This changed her whole outlook on things and God did something beautiful in her. So Leah's last child is when she began to began to be thankful and then it produced the the child Judah, that actually produced the Messianic line in which Jesus came through. So Leah kept birthing children. And each time she was ungrateful, each time she was doing it out of jealousy, saying, maybe this time, maybe this time, the last time where she said, no, God, I'm so thankful for what you did in my life. God, I might not be as beautiful as Rachel, but God, you turned it around for my good. I still had a husband. Look at all, when she started to well up with gratitude and thankfulness, the Lord says, now you're ready. That last child was birth, and then from that child came Jesus. Once I stopped wanting someone else's story, once I stopped wanting someone else's wife, someone else's ministry, the Lord says, now you're ready to birth V1 church. Now you're ready to birth a ministry. Now you're ready. It's out of that place of gratitude. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, a heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Did you know that there is people with rheumatoid arthritis as a result of envy and bitterness? Because the Bible says it rots you on the inside. There are physical. I have prayed for people and demons of envy have come out. Then their back was healed. Why? It says a heart at peace gives the life body or gives life to the body. B-O-D-Y. This is not all just spiritual. The spiritual affects the physical. Sometimes when you have bitterness and envy, you begin to rot your physical body away. And you can see because it says, but envy rots the bones, but a heart at peace. What brings peace to your heart? Gratitude. What brings peace to your heart? Thank you, God. Yes, I went through the trailer park, but that was a test that you turned into a testimony. Yes, I went through all this stuff, but I'm not going to want another marriage. I'm going to actually sell out marriage conferences with my story, God. See, my heart begins to go at peace and my body begins to be full of life. How many of you want your body full of life? Job chapter 5 verse 2 says, surely resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. So watch. If jealousy kills, gratitude brings life. I want you to do something right now. Before I bring up my wife, she's got a powerful word to share with you. Envy is a gateway to fear, false humility, anger, rebellion, gossip, striving, which is accomplishing in your own power and through your own strategy. But thankfulness actually closes those gateways, and gratitude, it closes those, and it, and then it begins to open up the opposite of all that, which is true humility, true faith. Come on, true tenacity. It begins to speak and prophesy good things, and you've got to see it for what God was. Julie, can you, I want to have you come up here. I want to read this last verse to you, because if you see Leah's pain you can fulfill your purpose. If you see Rachel's pain, you can fulfill your purpose. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17 says this, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future and a hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. See, Leah, she said, well, there's only a future and a hope for Rachel. Rachel said, "Well, there's only a future and a hope for Leah." But the Bible declares, "Do not envy people," but it says, "Don't let your heart do that, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future and a hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off." Can I give you one last final prophecy right now? If you'll take this word and let me pastor you through this word. In the next 18 months, it's about a year and a half. In the next 18 months, if you will take this word and make this word your word that I preached to you today, I guarantee you, I guarantee in the the next 18 months, you will not want anyone else's life anymore. I I can guarantee it. And now it's gonna take about an 18 month process because what'll happen is as you forgive, as you well up your heart with gratitude, as you begin to just release people for things they never did, begin to release. As you begin to step in this direction, your body, your soul, which is your mind, will begin to come into health. And a year and a half from now, you'll remember this date, and you'll say it was the Sunday after Easter. I released people. I stopped looking out. I started looking up. Strongholds started being torn down by gratitude and thankfulness, and I was never the same. That's when it's good. That's the turnaround. Do you receive that? Do you receive that? Can you guys help me welcome